The Singing of the Future by David Francon Davies, with preface by Sir Edward Elgar. Preface Quote, The soul which has seen most of truth shall come to the birth as a philosopher, or artist, or some musical and loving nature. End quote. Socrates, from Phaedrus, by Plato. I do not now follow Socrates into his subsequent divisions, for the moment it is enough that as one who has seen the most of truth, he has included the musician. And in this rich-sounding word I include all, composers, executants, and critics alike, who labor not for any selfish ends, but for the good of the art of music. But musicians have not always shown to the world, when their works have come to the birth, that they have seen the most of truth. The art easily lends itself to make passing amusement for the frivolous and the unthinking. In this there is nothing to deplore. We should rather rejoice in knowing that music can be an amusement, for it, in itself, is never ignoble. This it can only be when allied to unworthy words or to degrading spectacle. The many-sidedness of an art is a chief joy to its possessors, but the ineptitudes, and worse, of the creators of the material on which executants and critics live, have too frequently tended to degrade the two last-named in the exercise of their duties in their branches of the complete art. But with composers and critics and instrumental executants, we need not now concern ourselves. Although it may be profitably read by all musicians, this book is mainly for singers. I will add, for all singers, certainly for all those proposing to sing, and certainly for many who have already embarked upon their professional careers. With the march of time, and with it the improvement of musical education, a new desire has possessed us, the desire to understand. The desire has brought with it the interpreters we need. True, they are few in number, and their array is meager compared with the ample numbers and amiable affluence of the popular vocalists. But those who have, quote, the most of truth, are with us all the same, working, striving, and above all, singing. Where in former days the vocalist entered upon his task with a light-hearted assurance that all the old points would meet with unquestioning acceptance, the singer of the present day has to think as behooves a responsible artist. In circles of lesser value, the modern ballad, with its unanalyzable inanities, is still accepted as a recognizable form of art. But our better singers, our real interpreters and our teachers, have long ceased to affront their own intelligence by presenting the rubbish demanded by the uneducated for their pleasant degradation. This book is a serious appeal to the singer, especially to the English-speaking singer, and I welcome it and hope for much real and lasting good from its dissemination. Written with complete knowledge by a singer who is also an artist, it forms a worthy portion, or it may be at this date a commencement, of that long-desired new edifice of English music which will someday be raised by those, and by those only, who have seen the most of truth. Edward Elgar, Hereford, December 1904 Introduction This book is meant not only for singers, but for all who are interested and concerned in the subject of speech or song. Preachers, readers, pleaders, lecturers, reciters, with or without music, and actors, all of whom do their best work when they employ their best selves upon the best products of the best poets, 
dramatists, and musicians. Our book deals also with the subject of daily speech, which is in truth the foundation of all artistic and, in the good sense, utilitarian utterance. He who talks best, qua speech, will, other things being equal, read, plead, recite, preach, lecture, sing, and act best. Aristotle defines happiness as a state of, quote, a soul at work in accordance with supreme virtue in a complete life, end quote. The good artist fulfills the conditions of this definition, and the good artist is the happy one. David Franklin Davies, London, Christmas Eve, 1904.